Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by Community Pastor Carrie Latticer for week two in our series, Profiles and Courage. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. There are certain things people have said that inspire us. Quotes lifted from the pages of history that give us the courage to face the future. For example, the last few years, I've heard multiple people in commercials quoting Theodore Roosevelt's The Man in the Arena. It can be a good quote to remember when you're facing opposition. It starts like this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. I used to have a small picture frame in my house with this quote from John A. Shedd that inspired me whenever I was contemplating a courageous next step or risk-taking adventure for my family. It says this, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. However, there's one quote that has really filled me with courage to do what I need to do over the past few years. It's from award-winning author Anne Lamont. She says, my greatest fear is that I'll die on a day when I didn't have dessert. Now you know what you need to do when we're done here. Sometimes quotes get into our hearts and minds and inspire us to move forward. They're significant words. They're powerful words. They are empowering words. Today, as we continue our series, Profiles in Courage, we're going to look at another quote, something a group of guys said that's recorded in the Old Testament of the Bible. During this series, we're digging into these Old Testament stories to examine the lives of men and women who came face-to-face against incredible challenges, and yet somehow were able to find the courage to move forward. What can we learn from their stories? How might their words help us be courageous too? For today's story, we're turning to the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 3. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say those names after me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I heard a pastor friend of mine say they kind of sound like a real estate company, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. But no, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're three guys who worked for the king of the ancient empire of Babylon, an egomaniacal guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Say that after me, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> gazuntight. As our story begins, King Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue, a golden idol, Now, when I say statue, don't think of some little knickknack to go on your mantle. This statue was 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. The king sets up this idol and he issues a decree. Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music— You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Nebuchadnezzar is asserting his power, his position. The image was likely a statue of his God, a representation of the power of his Babylonian empire. So in essence, he's asking everyone to bow to his greatness, a way of getting everybody to worship him. 
When I said he was an egomaniac, I wasn't kidding. Not only does everybody have to bow down and worship the idol, but whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, okay, that's pretty clear. King Nebuchadnezzar is quite serious about this golden statue. The story starts to pick up steam when Nebuchadnezzar finds out that there are three guys who won't bow down like everyone else. Guess who? That's right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They won't bow down because they are committed to the one true God and to God alone. But when Nebuchadnezzar finds this out, he blows a royal gasket. He calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in and lays out the situation. He says, okay, boys, here's the deal. When the music plays, you bow down and worship the idol. And if you do, it's all good. But if you don't, then you get thrown into the fiery furnace. And I know you're really into this God of yours, but come on, no God can save you from being burnt up in my furnace. Now, I know it's hard to put ourselves in this story, but think about it. What is more physically painful than getting burned? Early in my career journey, I worked in the restaurant business, scaling a franchise of restaurants called Cheddar's Scratch Kitchen. As my journey there began, I was the kitchen manager for a while, and I had to learn every station on the line. No doubt, the hottest was the grill. Now, we were known for having the best ribs, and some evenings during the dinner rush, I would have more than 20 steaks and 12 racks of ribs across the grill at one time. Imagine four hours of open flame and hot grease bullets flying up and landing all over your hands and forearms. It hurt. Still today, I have a few small burn marks on my arms to prove what a grill master I once was. As hot as that grill at Cheddar's was, that was nothing compared to Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. Don't think furnace like the furnace in your basement of your house. This was an instrument of torture. Not only was it designed to burn you alive, it was also the most inhumane form of execution because it involved treating the human body like just a piece of wood to be disposed of in an incinerator. There would be no body left to bury or mourn over, and in their day, that was a huge deal. This kind of torture and execution was reserved for the worst of the worst. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing. All they have to do is tell the king that they will bend the knee, bow in worship to this idol, and they can go on and live their lives. And they had pretty decent lives. They had good jobs, good reputations. They had a lot going for them. All they had to do to keep all of that is just bow down. I kind of picture the three of them huddling up for a moment to talk it over. I don't know about you, but if I were in that huddle, I might be saying, look, we're no good to anybody if we're dead. Maybe we could fake it. Maybe we should just go ahead and bow down, but we won't actually worship the idol. We'll just cross our fingers behind our back, right? Or perhaps I might have said, let's just worship the idol this one time, and then we'll ask for forgiveness. No harm done. But that's not even close to what they decided to say. Here's the quote I want to share with you today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
in the face of the furnace. These men look at the king and say, the God we serve is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. That takes some guts, right? That takes some serious courage. Well, the king gets even more enraged. He tells them to stoke the fire up even hotter, has three men bound, carried off, and thrown in. Remember, these guys are real people. They feel the heat. In fact, the furnace is so hot that the soldiers who throw them in end up getting burnt up themselves as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go tumbling in. Now they're in the fire, and they wait for the searing pain, but it doesn't come. They're in the fire, but they aren't burnt up. In fact, they're not even tied up anymore. They're walking around freely in the flames, and the best part is the strangest part. Check this out. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. I could just imagine him rubbing his eyes, shaking his head, wondering what in the world was going on. He must have thought he was hallucinating. Not only are they not burning up, there's another guy walking around in there, and this fourth guy was different. There was something special about him. Some people believe that this was Jesus making an appearance centuries before his birth into this world, kind of like a preview before the movie opens. I don't know about that, but this seems like something Jesus would do. If he walked on water, why not walk through fire, especially as these men were willing to lay down their lives to follow the one true God? Sounds a lot like Jesus to me. Now, this is an ancient story, but it's about a very modern problem. See, all of us, one way or another, sooner or later, if we're at all serious about our relationship with God, if we're at all committed to being followers of Jesus, we will face times when we're pressured to bow down to idols. Now, probably not a 90-foot-tall golden statue. I mean other kinds of idols here. Maybe at work, you're being asked to do certain things or work certain kind of hours that keep you from living by God's priorities in your life. The idol's name is promotion or success. And if you don't bow, maybe the furnace is getting passed over or even getting fired. School will start up again this fall. And students, you already know the idols that you're told to bow down to every day, things like acceptance, popularity, reputation— And if you don't bow, maybe the fire is being excluded or ridiculed. Maybe you're in a dating relationship and the person you're with wants to have a relationship that includes certain things or does not include certain things and you feel pressure to bow down to the idol of romance instead of having healthy boundaries. And if you don't bow, the fire might be rejection. Sooner or later, every one of us feels the pressure to bow down to idols. We feel the pressure to do this or to go there or to buy this thing or to achieve that. There are all sorts of idols all around us, idols that can lead us away from our devotion to God. This story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tells us that many times when we don't bow, we will find ourselves in the furnace. But here's the first lesson we can learn from their story. 
Lesson number one, God will meet us in the furnace. If you were Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, wouldn't you have wanted God to show up before you were tied up and thrown in? You know they wanted to be delivered from the fire, but God decided to deliver them in the fire instead. Sometimes God does deliver us from the fire. Sometimes he intervenes so that we don't have to go through it, but oftentimes God delivers us in it. I don't know what pressure you're facing, what kind of fire is coming your way, if you stand your ground and do what God wants you to do. But whatever the furnace may be, God is able to deliver you from it. But if he doesn't, he will meet you in it. So hear me, don't you bow. Lesson number two, God will reach others through the furnace. There's a second lesson we learn from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. After Nebuchadnezzar sees that the true God is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, look what he does. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego step out of the fire. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not even scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. The same king who just a few minutes ago was willing to kill anybody who opposed him, that king is now worshiping the true God. That's the second thing we get from this story. Lesson number two, God will reach others through the furnace. God used Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's furnace to change the king's mind. Many times we have no idea how what we go through impacts the people around us. Whatever fire you're going through or might go through, whatever tough thing God is asking you to do, part of his grace may be to reach others through it. I see it happening all the time. People who go through relational struggles or struggles with addiction or struggles in their careers, time and time again, I see God use their furnaces to touch the lives of other people. God will not only meet you in the fire, but he'll reach others through it. So don't you bow. Lesson number three, God will bless us through the furnace. One other lesson through the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that God will bless you through the furnace. After coming out of the furnace, look what happens. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. He gives them new positions, new opportunities to serve, new places of influence, new ways to contribute. Now, I wish I could say the particular way that God will bless you through your furnace, but I simply can't. Anybody who says that God promises to bless you financially or physically, however, probably isn't speaking for the one true God. God doesn't promise that if we follow him into the furnace, he'll give us a better job or a bigger paycheck or perfect physical health. He doesn't promise specifics, but he does promise to bless our faithfulness. Listen to this from James 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You can bet that the blessing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego most focus on was not their promotion. It was that they got to meet God in a brand new and personal way they had never known before. The blessing was how God met them in the furnace. God will bless you through the furnace, so don't you bow. I want to close with a challenge. I wonder if looking back on all that had happened, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ever thought about how easy it would have been to miss out on what had happened to them. If they'd given in to fear, said the word, bent the knee, they'd have missed the adventure of their lives. That's why this story is so important for us today. I think there's a great danger for the primary goal of our lives to become furnace avoidance. We can think that God's main job is to keep us out of the fire. And so our prayers mainly become, help me avoid the pain, remove the discomfort, take away the suffering. Perhaps there's nothing wrong with praying that. But what could happen is that we can come to believe that what is most important is for our life to be smooth, our life to be comfortable, for life to just be happy. I want to ask you to consider something quite dangerous today. I want to ask you to pray a dangerous prayer with me. And here it is. God, give me an opportunity to grow in my love for you. Help me no longer ask you mainly for comfort or success or security. God, I ask you to lead me wherever you want so that I grow closer to you and so others' lives are changed. Even if it means following you into the fire because I know you will meet me there. That's a dangerous prayer. And if you're not sure about praying that, that's okay, because I know it's a challenging prayer. If you feel that you can't pray a prayer like that just yet, talk to God about it. Just be honest with Him about it. And ask God to help you experience His presence in your life in a new and deeper way. Jesus never said, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and it's a great house and a great spouse, two and a half kids, a terrific job, a nice car. What Jesus says is, follow me. Bow to nothing and no one except me. It's going to be a tremendous journey, and there will be plenty of trouble along the way. So get in the arena. Set sail from the harbor and make sure to have dessert or two along the way. May you and I be people who say the God we serve is able to save us. And even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. Let's pray. God, give me an opportunity to grow in my love for you. I no longer ask you mainly for comfort or success or security. God, I ask you to lead me wherever you want so that I grow closer to you and so others' lives are changed, even if it means falling you into the fire, because I know you will meet me there. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. 
It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.